0: Chapter 3 Once, in exchange for the torch, Dirk had spent an entire morning allowing a technician to attach a complex series of electrodes to his scalp. He'd then spent the remainder of the day answering Dr. Fenchurch's questions, while another technician read out results from the EEG. He had no idea what they'd learned from the experiment, but they'd never asked him to repeat it, so Dirk had assumed it was just another and a long line of tests designed to prove he was psychic. As he wasn't, the experiment was doomed to failure, something Dirk could have told them from the beginning, had they thought to ask. Then again, he might not have. He'd really, really wanted that torch. Just like he really wanted to see Todd again. So much so, that he would have agreed to just about anything, including another round with the electrodes. Perhaps, it was fortunate, Blackwing seemed only interested in observation. Or so Dirk had to presume he could see no other reason for these meetings. Whatever Blackwing was gaining from them was well beyond Dirk's understanding. It was possible, he supposed. This was all a ruse, an experiment designed to push Dirk to the limit, just to see what would happen. That might explain the empty common room, though Dirk couldn't begin to fathom what anyone would gain from such a ploy. Far more likely, Todd simply had yet to arrive. He let his gaze drift around the room, taking in the sitting area where the couch was positioned, so that it faced the television. This mounted on the far wall. On either side were two chairs, these angled so that their occupants could either watch television or engage in conversation without too much trouble. A faux oak coffee table completed the area. The wall opposite the television housed a series of bookcases with books, board games, and Blackwing's collections of DVDs lining their shelves a long table with matching chairs filled the space in between. Only the couch stood out as mismatched, this impossibly plush, with overstuffed cushions and a soft, velvety fabric that changed color depending on which way it was rubbed. Sometimes, during Dirk's free time, he simply liked to curl up on it and press his cheek against the fabric, drift into a half-sleep that left him far more rested than the overly firm mattress of his bed. He was tempted to do so now, except that his heart was still thundering in his chest, Dirk far too tense to attempt anything resembling sleep. His gaze drifted to the far door, the one he suspected would open to reveal Todd. The door remained stubbornly closed. There was nothing else for it, Dirk decided, coming fully into the room. He started towards the table, only then noticing that someone had left out one of the board games. New excitement fluttered in his chest. Dirk couldn't remember having ever seen signs of another person. Even knowing that others undoubtedly used this space, not once had he seen traces of their existence. Upon closer inspection, he realized his mistake. This was staging, not oversight. No one had forgotten the game. It had been intentionally set up. Dirk and Todd no doubt intended to play. Staring at the game with a growing sense of unease, Dirk couldn't quite help but roll his eyes. Of all the games they could set up, of course they had to choose the one that involved solving a mystery. Dirk began to understand, now, their intentions. Todd wasn't just a paid friend, and he wasn't just a privilege Riggins might take away. He was, in fact, a parameter in Dirk's testing, a means to prove Riggins' theory when all else had failed. "'I don't even like Pluto," Dirk said to the empty room. As though in response to this pronouncement, the door he'd been waiting on swung open, Todd stepping in the room. "'You're here,' Dirk said, stating the obvious. The look Todd shot him was vaguely amused, as though he thought the statement superfluous. Dirk ducked his head, heat creeping into his cheeks. I mean, you agree, he clarified. I wasn't entirely sure you would. He glanced up in time to catch the look of surprise on Todd's face, Todd schooling his features a second later. He cleared his throat before speaking. Sorry. Agreed? He asked, sounding decidedly sheepish. "'Oh, it's all right. I know they're paying you to be here,' Dirk said. Todd's look of surprise returned, but Dirk waved it aside. "'It's fine, unless, of course, you don't want to be here, because then—' "'No, I do,' Todd interjected. "'I just—I didn't think you knew. Or maybe—I don't know. They weren't really clear on why they wanted me to come.' "'Oh,' Dirk said, not entirely prepared for that. "'So—why did you?' Todd, he realized, was still standing with his back against the door— His hands thrust awkwardly into his pockets. He was wearing jeans again, that and a gray hooded jumper, frayed drawstrings dangling around his chest. He looked like he'd just woken up, which was unlikely given the hour. Dark circles hung beneath his eyes. I don't know, Todd said, shrugging. I guess maybe I was curious? He ducked his head. Also, I really need the money. That, at least, Dirk could appreciate. Not the money part. He didn't understand that but he appreciated Todd's honesty. Friendships were, after all, built on honesty. He could hardly expect theirs to progress if they built it on a foundation of lies. They haven't really told me why they want you here either. Although I could hazard a guess, Dirk said, letting out a breathless, self-deprecating laugh. Todd gave no indication of understanding, so Dirk waved it aside. It's not really that important. We have, I believe, an hour, and I think they maybe want us to play a game. He gestured to the table as he spoke, Todd's gaze slipping over his shoulder. The skin between his eyes wrinkled as he furrowed his brow. "'Clue?' he said, sounding less than impressed. This time, Dirk's laugh was genuine. "'I've played before,' Dirk explained, "'though I think having only one player rather defeats the purpose. I'm not entirely sure it'll be that much different with two, but I did agree to their parameters, so...' "'Parameters?' Todd asked, sounding genuinely curious. Dirk nodded. For the experiment, yes. He started towards the table as he spoke, taking a seat beside the library, Miss Scarlet's placeholder directly before him. Slowly, and with a good deal of hesitation, Todd came to join him. He, Dirk was pleased to note, chose a spot beside the ballroom, Mr. Green already set in his square. This is an experiment? Todd asked, gesturing to the board. Dirk nodded. "'albeit not a very interesting one. "'Which is not to say their other experiments "'are all that interesting, but... "'He trailed off the second he caught Todd's expression. "'This a combination of incredulity and alarm. "'Dirk cleared his throat. "'Yes, well, I believe I go first, he said, "'reaching for the die. "'Hold on,' Todd said, still holding Dirk's gaze. "'Dirk drew back his hand, "'his fingers curling protectively into his palm. "'He waited. "'Todd seemed torn.' He glanced to the board, taking in the already shuffled cards and the tiny manila envelope, sealed for play. Slowly, his gaze drifted to Dirk, expectation as sharp as his confusion. How is this an experiment? An experiment for what? And who are they? Clearly, Blackwing hadn't thought to fill Todd in on the details. This meant Dirk would need to, though he still wasn't sure how much he was allowed to reveal. Say too much, and he was certain Blackwing would object. Too little, and Todd would continue to stare at him like he was more alien than man. More importantly, he wasn't sure how much he wanted Todd to know. The people running my program, have you met Dr. Fenchurch? Todd shook his head. Well, she heads up the program, and then there's Colonel Riggins and a handful of technicians, though I don't think they really have anything to do with, well, anything really. What I mean is... Again he trailed off, this time because it was becoming increasingly obvious Todd wasn't following... Dirk cleared his throat a second time and started over. They, he said, emphasizing the word, are Blackwing, and I'm fairly certain they're CIA, though I'm not really sure what they want from me, except that they like to give me puzzles to solve, hence the game. Here, Dirk gestured, though doing so did nothing to clear Todd's confusion. Todd glanced to the board, gaze narrowing as though trying to see the connection. After a minute, he glanced over his shoulder his gaze eventually swiveling around to stare at the bookshelves along the back wall. You know there are no windows in this room, right? he asked, the very last thing Dirk expected him to say. Yes? Dirk answered, though he wasn't entirely sure what Todd was driving at. And you live here? Todd continued. This time Dirk nodded. they had been over this the last time, but apparently Todd wasn't satisfied. So they're paying me to sit in a windowless room and play Clue with you because... Dirk saw immediately where this was going. He half expected the back door to fly open, for someone to storm into the room, drag Todd out because surely there were boundaries Dirk wasn't meant to cross. Except the door remained closed, Blackwing obviously more concerned with their experiment than they were with Dirk revealing too much. I think, Dirk said, apprehension coiled low in his gut. They want to see what happens if they give me a friend. He wanted desperately to laugh, to brush it all off as a silly antidote, something redundant and uninteresting, because at least then Todd would think him amused. He managed instead a shaky smile, one he suspected conveyed far more inner turmoil than he was perhaps ready to share. Uh, why? Todd asked, still sounding utterly perplexed. Oh, Dirk said, the answer, he thought, rather obvious. Because I've never had one. He was making it worse, he realized, all of this talk accomplishing none of the things he'd set out to accomplish. He knew Todd wouldn't leave. Todd was being paid, after all. But he wanted so bad for their relationship to move beyond Todd's paycheck. And yet, here he was, one session in, and already he could tell Todd was beginning to regret having agreed to come. Dirk may have flailed a little. He wasn't entirely sure the display went unnoticed. To be fair, he said, it's not like I get a chance to meet a lot of people. This is the most I've spoken to someone in years. And you don't think that's fucked up? Todd asked. He sounded genuinely concerned. New hope surged in Dirk's breast. It's not as bad as it sounds. I mean, you're here. Not here, here. I mean, you're participating in a study. How is that any difference?" Todd was looking at him strangely, like he very much thought Dirk was a little dense. Possibly a lot naive. He wasn't, of course. He knew none of this was normal. But then, he wasn't normal. At least, not in the way people like Todd were normal. He wasn't psychic, but he was... something. Okay, Todd said, drawing out the word as though gathering his thoughts. But I don't live here. I have a life outside of here. He meant it as a point, Dirk knew. And yet Dirk didn't miss the hesitation in his voice. Seemingly oblivious, Todd moved on. And to be honest, I don't even know what I'm participating in. I show up, hang out with you, and then sit in a room where I look at flashing pictures across the screen. Oh! "'Dirk said rather excitedly. "'I know that test. "'I'm terrible at that one.' "'The look Todd shot him "'suggested he was less than impressed. "'But you said you don't have pararibulitis, he said, "'dangerously low. "'He deflated a second later, "'Dirk watching as he sank back "'into his chair, visibly defeated. "'They're paying me to participate "'in a clinical study that has, "'as far as I can tell, "'no other participants, "'and aside from the blood workup "'they had me do before the start "'of the clinic,' "'Absolutely nothing they've had me do seems in any way related to para "'So to be honest, I don't even know why I'm here. "'And now they're paying me to be your friend? "'This is officially the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me.' "'He sounded resigned. "'That and a little annoyed. "'Like this wasn't what he'd signed up for. "'Like the universe was spinning beyond his control. "'Todd caught in something he didn't understand. "'It called to mind Dirk's conversation with Dr. Friendchurch.' the one when he'd asked her point-blank if Blackwing was manipulating Todd for Dirk's benefit. She would denied it, of course, and Dirk didn't know her to outright lie, but... I'm sure it'll all make sense in the end, Dirk said, relatively confident on that point. That's reassuring, Todd said, without a trace of sincerity. Dirk chose not to comment. Todd's gaze returned to the board. I guess we should play them, he said, still sounding resigned, something ugly twisted in Dirk's gut. He hated this feeling. Hated it, but knew what it meant. These were the moments that kept Riggins coming back. The reason he couldn't leave. Swallowing heavily, Dirk glanced from the board to the camera positioned above their heads. His heart now beating a furious tempo in his chest. He could practically feel the weight of Dr. Fenchurch's gaze. I'm not sure there's much point, Dirk said, letting his gaze drift back to the board, to where the manila envelope rested at its center. Todd, he realized, was watching him curiously. It's Colonel Mustard in the kitchen with the rope, Dirk heard himself say, and barely a whisper. At least when he played alone, there was no one to shoot him incredulous looks. Dirk having rather hoped Todd's presence might have distracted him from the obviousness of the answer. He watched, detached and numb, as Todd shook his head, smile amused as he reached for the envelope. He pulled out three cards, and then set them, one by one, into the space between them. Colonel Mustard, the kitchen, and the rope. Todd blinked. Dirk felt a little like crying. You realize you're not allowed to look at the cards before you stuff them into the envelope, Todd said, reaching the wrong conclusion. Dirk huffed a laugh. It came out sounding suspiciously like a sob. Todd didn't appear to notice. He was too busy separating the cards, shuffling each of the decks before choosing one from each. These he stuffed back into the envelope, unseen. The remaining cards he blended together— reshuffled and set aside. There, he said, now we're not cheating. Dirk wanted more than anything to smile, to dismiss the entire event with a laugh and a wave of his hand. Instead, he stared at the newly sealed envelope, Professor Plum in the billiards room with the candlestick. Dirk swallowed, his hand shaking as he reached for the die. This is fairly simple, Icarus. Icarus, Dr. Fenchurch said. The exercise room had been cleared of everything save a table and two chairs. Dr. Fenchurch sat across from him, between them a tiny manila envelope. "'You seem to have no difficulty during your game with Todd,' she pressed. Dirk shook his head. "'I told you, it doesn't work that way. I don't—I'm not psychic. I just get hunches sometimes, but I can't control them. It's not like a switch I can turn on and off.' A year ago, he would have never even considered speaking to Dr. Fenchurch in such a manner. A year ago, he wouldn't have spoken to anyone in such a manner. And yet, now, caught between exasperation and annoyance, his words were sharp, biting. He had no idea how he'd guessed the cards with Todd. He just had, and what had it earned him? A technician coming into the room to retrieve Todd, another to bring Dirk back into his room. In hindsight, he should have kept his mouth shut. The rules of the game are the same, Icarus. If you don't know, try guessing. Dirk didn't want to guess. There was too much room for random chance. What he wanted was for Dr. Fenchurch to drop the matter entirely. For her to send Dirk back to his room, because it was better to waste away there than endure any more of... This. I don't know. Dirk tried a second time. Dr. Fenchurch continued to stare. Fine. Miss Scarlet in the library with the pipe. There was nothing about the envelope or the situation to tell him whether or not he got it right. Certainly, he didn't have a hunch, not even a vague feeling. Dr. Fenchurch's disappointment, however, was only too instructive. Whatever was in the envelope, Dirk's guess hadn't come close. "'I can't decide, Icarus,' Dr. Fenchurch began, her fingers tapping against the envelope as she spoke, "'if you're being intentionally obtuse, or if you truly have so little control over your... ability.'" "'I'm not being—whatever you said,' Dirk hastened to reassure. "'And I don't have an ability. I'm not psychic. I'm not anything. "'I'm just a normal man, and I don't know how I knew what was in that envelope before, "'but I don't know what's in it now, and I—' "'Dr. Fenchurch held up a hand, effectively silencing him. "'Dirk drew his bottom lip between his teeth to keep it from quivering. "'He knew what came next. "'I'm going to have the technician bring you back to your room now,' "'she said, dismissing him with a wave of her hand.' There was no point in arguing, no point in begging either, though the impulse to do both was overwhelming. Instead, Dirk stood, his hands shaking as he followed the newly arrived technician from the room. Hours, or maybe days later, it was hard to tell. Dirk lay beneath his bed, torch in hand. He flicked it on and then off, a beat passing before he turned it on again, one more time, just to be sure. The bulb remained dark, its battery still dead. In the low light of the room, he could scarcely read the book in his other hand. This was a familiar punishment, and one of Dr. Fenchurch's favorites. Unlike Riggins, who took things without mercy, Dr. Fenchurch preferred a more nuanced approach. Isolation didn't feel like punishment. Not at first, anyway. That came with time. The relief of escaping their scrutiny soon gave way to the antsy boredom that left him climbing the walls. The silence of his room deafening. It was Riggins who came for him when they finally saw fit to end his exile, Dirk nearly sobbing with relief. He had no idea how much time had passed, but it felt like eons. I'm sorry, he said at once, the words like gravel in his mouth, still standing inside the doorframe. Riggins shook his head. No, I'm sorry. He sounded strangely sincere. I wouldn't have wanted you to experience that. Dr. Fenchurch was... frustrated. Here he paused, as though not entirely sure how to proceed. Dirk remained where he was, seated on the bed, his back pressed to the wall, his knees drawn to his chest. A familiar position. She may have been overzealous, Riggins continued. Dirk overwhelmed by the gravity of his words. He didn't answer, instead pressing his lips into a thin line in a bid to guard his tongue. Riggins continued to stare. If you'd like... Riggins came fully into the room. The door fell shut behind him, tiny dust motes rising in a swirl of air. You can see Todd today. Despite Dr. Fenchurch's frustration, we've been quite pleased by your progress. In spite of himself, Dirk sat upright, his pulse racing. I'd like that, he said, hoping it didn't give away too much. Riggins gave a nod, tactile permission. Dirk didn't think a week had passed, which meant today was one of Todd's study appointments. Their interactions limited to the ten minutes between Todd's arrival and when a technician came to gather him. It was more than he'd expected, more than he'd dared to hope. He expected Riggins to leave, to offer to collect him upon Todd's arrival. Instead, he gestured Dirk towards the door. Dirk startled. The hour, if the hall's light was any indication, too early by far. And yet, what choice did he have? Riggins beckoned, and so Dirk followed, relieved at least to be free of the confines of his room. Out in the hall, Dirk paused to drag cold, freshly circulated air into his lungs. If Riggins noticed, he didn't say anything. Instead, he started them towards the common room, Dirk following a wary pace behind. He knew the route well, and yet, in the still quiet of what he suspected was early morning, Dirk found himself taking in the space with new eyes. They passed doors identical to his own, their windows revealing empty rooms with beds unmade and vacant shelves. Rooms, he suspected, were meant to house people like him. How many were occupied? How many others were there? How many like him? Why hadn't he thought to ask these questions before? The thought did little to ease the lingering tension from his time in isolation. By the time they stood outside the common room doors, Dirk found himself bouncing slightly on the balls of his feet, tightly coiled energy thrumming beneath his skin. He half expected to come into the room and find Todd waiting for him, and yet he knew it was too early, Todd's appointment later in the day. He was disappointed, but not surprised to find the common room empty. Riggins followed him inside. Little had changed. The game was still on the table, the figures having been moved back to their original positions. The cards reshuffled and piled in the board's center. Hazy understanding dawned. Dirk's stomach sank. "'You want me to guess the cards?' Dirk said, staring at the board. Riggins came to stand on his side, his stance patient, filled with abject certainty. "'I'll make you a deal,' he said, Dirk already beginning to deflate. "'Play around with me, and then you can wait here for Todd.' Dirk had no idea what time it was, but it was early enough he knew Riggins was offering a privilege beyond anything he'd offered before. And he got to see Todd." that condition as unspoken as the consequences Dirk would face should he disagree. Knowing all of this, Dirk gave a reluctant nod. It earned him a clap on the shoulder, Riggins smiling as though he expected nothing less. Slowly, he made his way to the table, Dirk following a pace behind. Whether by accident or design, though Dirk knew without asking it was design, Riggins mimicked Todd's position. Resigned, Dirk sat adjacent the library. He let his gaze drift to the already sealed envelope and knew immediately which cards were hidden inside.